Hey all and welcome you uh, to another exciting episode of our show AI Knowledge Hub with me Anisha Sidi from India and today we have an excellent guest with us who is an innovative creator and an empathetic psychiatrist musician author and so on and we have here today Uh, with us it is none other than dr ashok patacharya from canada who is going to uh, immense uh, who is going to spread us with immense knowledge and we are going to have a knowledge shower with the integration of ai so i welcome you uh, ashok to the show uh, wholeheartedly and really thankful for you being here so let us start with a quick self introduction of yourself and then get into the sections Well, Anisha, thank you so much for inviting me on this show. I think what the work you're doing is amazing, and and it, it's it's in fact the computer world has is why I'm able to still have a career. So I want to thank you for that. I've been working in psychiatry for for about thirty five years now, and I got into psychiatry for my love of of the human mind and the, and and the love of people that have maybe some issues with that and want to work that out. And so for the last thirty five years, I've been working with people in person. helping them with their stories and some of those stories are extremely painful ones difficult ones or complicated ones and what i help people do is tell their story and then retell the story back to themselves so that it feels more comfortable for them so they can make better choices in their life and what i found actually is working online since the pandemic since really march 2020 is that process has even been quite a bit easier and i think it's been easier for a number of reasons and the main reason is that is that when people are working uh, uh, with a camera it's kind of like tv you're so much more transfixed by a camera and an image and it and it changes and the other thing too it gets you thinking about yourself on the screen and then in other words we get to reflect on ourselves and that's such an important process in therapy i'll leave it there for now Yeah, that was an excellent introduction, and we have Ashley here. Hi, hi Ashley. So thank you for joining. So we will quickly go into the uh, section one of uh, our show. That is, I call it. We have five eyes of AI. So like ideate, invest, and incorporate, integrate, and finally instigate. So we will go to the uh, section one by one. But before that, let me give an awareness of what is domain knowledge and what is a domain expert. So to build any system, especially AI system, we need someone called domain expert who gives us the domain knowledge. that knowledge is really essential and it is it is like a heart of the ai system and without it the ai system will be useless so for example if i want to build something for the sake of uh, let's say bipolar disorder i want to bring some a diagnosis system for bipolar disorder like an automatic uh, system based on ai i need someone uh, called doctor to give me Uh, especially psychiatrists to give me the knowledge of the disorder its symptoms and uh, various other stages of the uh, disorder its technical terminologies and what physiological data can be used uh, to analyze uh, those stages of the disorder so all these can be extracted only from a doctor as an engineer as a scientist uh, uh, based on computer i cannot sit and uh, extract domain knowledge by myself because one who is experienced who has gained practical experiences their terminologies matters a lot so that's why this show is all about extracting domain knowledge from various domain experts and it's like a gift for us to get that domain knowledge in an accessible way and we can also know about the career paths which are extraordinary out in the entire world and it gives us main knowledge of various career paths so that we don't stick on to one career and get obsessed with that so that's all about the this show main aim so let's start with the first section which is ideate i map it with the knowledge base of the ai system so we generate ideas in our life so let's see how ashok in his career or in his life entire life how he has generated ideas and how he has um, 
made those ideation process so give us uh, your uh, journey of experience with ideation process ashok yeah well i've known since i've been a child that i probably notice things a little bit differently than other people do unfortunately i was a bit of a cripple as a child i spent two years with a lot of um, machinery on my legs and so instead of running around with the other kids i got stuck speaking to mostly the girls and this is when i was a young child and i learned early that girls are really tuned into emotions and empathy and i learned so much as a little boy from from girls talking about uh, feelings and emotions but also human interactions and so as soon as i got all of my my stuff off my legs and i could start doing a lot of activities again i got back to being a very active person but i never forgot the value of noticing noticing how people are and when we think about people and now i'm going to i'm going to be psychiatric for a moment um the way the way we work with our interactions with people is that we really have thoughts and we have feelings and we have actions and we have interactions and so when we're assessing someone in in a clinic who may come there because they've got a problem it's my job to decide if they have a problem with the way they're thinking with the way they're feeling or their actions which might be related to thoughts and feelings and also their interactions how are other people experiencing them and this is such a fascinating way of looking at someone from a multi uh, dimensional uh, perspective instead of looking at one perspective and and seeing someone may have have an unusual thought um you might say oh that person's delusional but just say that person just came up with a wonderful invention and people said oh no one's going to buy that and the invention is the 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 home uh, the home based computer the personal computer so when the when the pc came out people thought no one's going what do we people need computers for mm-hmm. and now you know we all i have like four around me right now mm-hmm. and so and so initially an invention can seem like a crazy idea until finally people begin to realize so it's really important to put the context of people's thoughts and feelings actions and interactions into the story that they're living in. And once you put the context into the story they're living in, I can determine what that person has an, an illness or if they have some disease or if in fact they have wellness. They might be an extremely creative or inventive person. And I've been interested in in that in that part of the process really ever since I've been a young child. um playing skippy rope with the girls in 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 grade school thinking how is this all working how, how is this a, how people are able to come together and and cooperate with each other and every now and there's a kerfuffle about something but it gets sorted out so i hope that answers a little bit about what you're asking yes exactly you brought it in an amazing way uh i like the example which you cited about when we come with an invention or crazy idea uh people around us is like what is this so weird or they don't accept it as it is so it really it is relatable for anybody who is uh, hearing this or who is in the process of the innovation or invention so the most uh, beautiful point i like is uh, the way you put uh, we have to put the context into the story we are in so that is really amazing but terminology to understand uh, in terms of um, how we categorize uh, disease and the wellness so it's excellent i really like that uh, part of putting the context into the story excellent it was to the point answer and so let's uh, let's move on to the uh, next section uh, which is invest and incorporate so as uh, human beings uh, we invest uh, and incorporate some process to make our idea ideas which we have generated in the ideation process to come into reality uh so in order to make it into reality uh, we have some uh, investments like time energy like tangible non tangible things and then we have some incorporation process which is not static but dynamic in nature we refine it refine it until we get a convergent point uh, to uh, have a good outcomes 
So let's see what you have uh, to tell about your investments and your incorporation process to make your ideas into reality. And how did you make your ideas into reality? Well, that, that's a big question. Let me unpack it in, in, in parts. So I decided to apply to, to medical school um, when I was 19 years of age. Mm-hmm. And I started out my medical journey when I was 20. That's when mm-hmm. I got in. Now, between you and me, don't tell anyone this, I only ever wanted to be a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I had very little interest in the rest of medicine. However, the rest of medicine is fascinating and very, very important. But I realized that if I wanted to be a psychiatrist, I had to become a medical doctor first. Yes. And if I wanted to be a therapist um, oh. or a social worker or a psychologist, um, there would be different avenues to take. But my avenue was, was to become a medical doctor first. Mm-hmm. And the main reason for that is I want to understand as much as I could about the whole system our brain, our mind, our bodies, our hearts, our lungs, our life. Because when you become a doctor, um, you look at the whole person first, and then you focus in on the area of interest if you have a specialty. My interest is in psychiatry, but actually when I see people, I'm really interested in every aspect of their life, which includes their physical self, their spiritual self, and their relationships, before I finally get to those questions that investigate their psychiatric well-being. So, so one of the ways I invested in becoming a psychiatrist was to become a medical doctor. And that took, that took four years away. And then after that, you have to do a couple of years of, 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 of practicing being a doctor. And then you get into a residency. And that, that's another four or five years of, of going to a residency. Um, I also have a degree uh, prior to becoming an MD because I was really, really interested in little tiny things called microbe. Uh, my, uh, bacteria and viruses, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I want to become a, a microbiologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did study and get a degree in microbiology before I did that. So I've always been really interested in little tiny things as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think the, the value of that, so after 13 years, I finally graduated to become a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a long haul um, uh, because I think I spent a lot of time with books. And that, uh, books are amazing. Um, in those days, we didn't have the internet in Asia. And books, especially medical textbooks, they're heavy. I don't want to pick them up right now. I have them next to me. You get a workout just carrying them around. <laughs> and you spend long, long hours poring over those books. And I was a bit of an overstudier, mm. which means that if we had to know this much for the exam, I'd read this much. Mm. And and unfortunately, when I was, when I was in... Um, in medical school, I had a lot of disruption in my family, and so the only way I can get by was playing in a full-time rock band, um, mm-hmm. as well as as being in university uh, for, for medicine. So that also gave me a lot of diversity and experience on how to look at, at other things that we need to be doing while we're studying our books. And that's why music's always been been very important to me. So, so the main way, reason, uh, the main way I think I invested in this is, is getting the education that I got. The main problem with, with my education is that is that education, especially in medicine, it changes. So if I went to back to medical school and wrote a couple of tests, I'd probably fail them terribly because so much has changed. Mm-hmm. So the beauty of being at any kind of a doctor is you have to keep studying all the time, knowing full well that you're never going to catch up with everything that there is to be known. And information that used to be has just changed. The only thing that doesn't change that much is anatomy. Right? because human yeah. anatomy hasn't changed that much in, our, in my lifetime at least. Thank gosh. But I think the investment of it is this massive investment of time of, of learning your discipline and then committing to keep learning your discipline. And that means every day. Try to learn something that's going on in, in, your, in your field or just in, in, in medicine or humanity every single day. And that's why meeting somebody like you is so important because you're, you're you're helping me do my job by by making the computer world, especially the, the the intelligence computer world, much more accessible. So I'm just I'm absolutely excited to know what's going to happen over the next five or ten years, mm-hmm. when our careers actually blend, and yes. psychiatrists and, and 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 computer specialists are coming up with algorithms that that can save so much time, and help so many people because the the world burden of mental illness is profound. Mm-hmm. 
and it will be even more profound uh, with the pandemic. So with the, such a shortage of people that we need we need other ways to do it. I'm very, very sure that, that, that what we're doing and what we're doing tonight, what we're talking about may happen in the future, will help tremendously. Exactly, very true. Yes, so I love the, the milestones which you put for your journey, like the avenues you had, uh, the aim you had to do the psychiatry and the small, small things which you focused on. It really matters and the investments on time, especially you did it on books because I love books basically. Uh, books were my uh, companion like, uh, they were my great companion, uh, which, uh, which always was with me like a friend. Uh, so I believe like a reader can live thousands of life if they read thousands of books in their entire life. So it's, it's really good to have investment in reading books. And uh, that point uh, was so resonating with me. And uh, I also like the diversity where, where you had disruptions. You choose music. Uh, well, uh, certain people, when they have disruptions, they have distractions. They go uh, beyond their path, but you choose music. So it, it gives uh, the, what do you call, no? a soothing path. Uh, to uh, find uh, those um, disruptions going away. And I like the diversity which you have incorporated using music and your rock band. And I love it that way. Yeah. So it was really amazing. And we have uh, Carla here who can tell, I can totally relate. Hi, and oh, thanks for being here. Yes. So, yeah. So um, we can go to the next uh, section, which is integrate. So consciously or subconsciously, uh, we integrate so many things around us like skills, uh, the vibes from the people, and um, we try to incorporate something or the other which we have received it uh, in our process of uh, what it, uh, whatever we are going through in our learning and um, like in our uh, projects or in our way, whatever we are doing, we try to incorporate it some way or the other. So what is your integration process and how did you go about to enhance your investments and incorporation process? Like you told about the lifelong learning, each time we learn, each day we learn. So how did the integration help you out? What sort of integration did you incorporate in your life uh, to make that investment and incorporation and ideation process uh, enhancement? Those enhancement is possible if you make some integration. So how did you do that? Well, my analogy is a little bit like swimming. You know, mm -hmm. if you and I sat down and read a book on how to swim, mm -hmm. we we would learn some of some of the ideas, but we we couldn't learn unless we got in the water. Mm -hmm. And you actually can't learn to swim by reading a book, as much as we would love that to happen. You have to be in the water and start mm -hmm. moving around. And the problem with with learning to swim is that if you don't know how to swim, mm -hmm. you could drown if you get in the water. But you have to get in the water to learn to swim, but you could drown. And I think when I started out it went as, as a much younger person in, in medicine, my initial thoughts were, I could drown. There's so much to learn. There's, uh, how can I be alone working with a, a patient or a client? And do I know what I need to know? And, and do I have enough knowledge to be able to do this? So I had to, I had to literally jump in the ocean and learn how to do what I'm doing. And, and, and I, I did that with, with, with some glee, a lot of dread, a lot of excitement, and mm. a lot of fear, and, 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 and the belief and the confidence that if I stay in here and learn how to swim like this, I'll eventually be, be comfortable doing this. And I can honestly say after doing this for over three decades, I feel very comfortable in my role now, but that, that took a long time. So when we learn when when we learn information, mm -hmm. we have to use it. We have to begin mm -hmm. to put it into practice. Now the way I practice is is probably quite a bit different than a lot of other psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of my specialties is is this whole idea of empathy, and working with empathy to help people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I realized very early in my in my psychiatry practice that the style of practices I was going to have wasn't necessarily standardized. Mm. So I had to come up with my own 
program of approach so that when I was working with people, I could put an emphasis on empathy. Well, and the point of that is if we spoke to someone and they said, I'm feeling depressed, okay. I haven't been sleeping very well, okay. I've lost some weight, okay. Uh, they might even be suicidal. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm, I might diagnose that person as having depression and, then they, and put them on some medications and off they go. Now that's perfectly acceptable. That's a perfectly reasonable uh, approach. But my approach is to find out every nuance of what's going on in that person's life that might account for why they're not sleeping. Maybe they live next to a, a, a fire department and the bell's going off every single night. Uh, may, why are they depressed? May, maybe their relationship is broken up or they've lost their job um, or they're having trouble in, the, in their personal relationships. Um, why are they suicidal? Maybe they just lost someone recently mm -hmm. and they want to be with that person in, on, on the other side. And once you start putting, putting this into context, you may have a similar diagnosis, but your approach might be a, di a bit different because now we put those symptoms in a story, a story that that person has. And, I, and, and when I was being trained and going in, in, into my practice, um, there wasn't a tremendous amount of emphasis on that particular part of it. Mm. Um, Prozac, which is a, a, an antidepressant, had just come into the North American markets and was being uh, prescribed in the world. And that, that changed psychiatry from from a, a from a mind science to a brain to a brain science, which is fine. But I was still interested in the mind and 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 everything that was going on in that person's life. So what I do with people is I, just, I probably take a little bit more time with someone, find out what's going on in their total life, and that includes mm -hmm. their physical health, their emotional health, their spiritual health, and their social health, mm -hmm. as well as what's going on with their feelings and thoughts. And that way, I can come up with, with an approach that has a little bit more, from my perspective, depth in being able to help them. Is it a little more, uh, does it take a little bit more time? Absolutely. But, but am I going for a, a deeper root cause of why that person might be seeing me at that time? Yes, I am. And after I've been doing this for many, many years and practicing this and learning how to swim in that ocean of, of, of people's pain, that ocean of people's experience, I became more comfortable with it. And what actually began to happen is I began to float. And I wasn't struggling, to, I wasn't sinking anymore. And that began to happen after about 10 years of my practice mm -hmm. and realizing I'm actually really, really enjoying doing this. And I think a huge problem, we don't have to talk about it tonight, but a huge problem being a doctor is getting burnt out, mm -hmm. getting stressed out from the work you do. And I've certainly been burnt out a few times in my career, but at this stage in my life, not only do I love what I'm doing, mm -hmm. I think it's making a huge difference. And if you feel that what you're doing is positive, it's helping other people. Guess what? It helps me. Mm. It helps me to grow emotionally as a person. So, so one of the ways that I integrate what I'm doing is I'm not just doing it to make people well. I'm doing it for that wellness to go to everyone in their life. Because if you help one person, you're helping everybody else in their life. If I help a mom, I'm helping her kids. Mm. If I help a father, I'm helping his kids and his, his partner. And, and everyone that, that, that these people work with in, in the workplace. So there's a way of kind of spreading that kind of news, that empathic news into the ocean of their lives. I'll leave it there. Wow, it was amazing, Ashok. I really love that part where you spread the wellness to the family when you have wellness to oneself. Uh, so it reminds me of uh, Dr. A.B.C. Abdul Kalam's quote, where you have harmony within yourself you can have harmony in your family, which brings harmony to your neighborhood, which brings harmony to your state and then the country and then the whole world. So first, the harmony has to be within ourselves. So that was an excellent point. I really loved it. What makes me curious is uh, with mind, uh, like, um, I, am I allowed? Uh, I want to ask you a question like, um, when we tell like if I'm a, uh, if some patient comes to you and then uh, they go for a treatment so how do you make a validation or assessment that they are well uh, like they are okay with the uh, treatment or they are fine uh, as of now uh, the symptoms are clear and uh, done so is it a form of questionnaire or like how is that validation or assessment done to make sure that 
uh, they have gone through this treatment uh, properly. Well, this is where computers will help tremendously. And I, I mm -hmm. hope your generation will bring this in. What we do when we start off with someone, if we come up with a list of target problems, these mm -hmm. are the symptoms the person comes on into treatment with. Mm -hmm. And those problems are, are rank ordered in which ones are the most problematic and which ones are, can we sort of cope with. Mm -hmm. And some of the problems are, are dreadfully difficult problems. And a problem isn't a problem necessarily. It has to also cause dysfunction in that person's life for it to be a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so some people have problems that are chronic, but they mm -hmm. may be functional. Yes. So Stephen Hawking was a famous uh, 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 physicist, and he was he was completely disabled with with a ALS, um, but he was able to continue to function as a physicist until his death. Now, was he disabled? One hundred percent, yes. Was he able to work? Yes, he was. And so, someone can actually have a horrendous disability, but still be functional. Mm -hmm. uh, would it have been better if he was he if he wasn't wheelchair bound and we could hear his voice naturally? Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. But, but so some people have, have an, an issue where they can't function in a certain area, but we can find another area for them to function. So we get a list of, we, we get a list of target symptoms mm. and through the course of the treatment and the therapy, we keep reassessing them. And as those symptoms begin to disappear, we look for new function that that person's gaining in their life again. Mm. So I remember working with someone, uh, that individual came to me and unfortunately, she was completely housebound. She couldn't even answer her telephone. She was so frightened. Mm -hmm. And within about two months, she was she was she got a driver's license. She was going to the market to go shopping. She mm -hmm. was developing friends. She was socializing again. Um, she was uh, she was retired, but she was thinking about getting uh, a, a job at, at the local mall. And and she was mm -hmm. coming to my office smiling and grinning and, and we both said i don't think you need to come back she said i've never felt this way in my life before wow. and, and and all those target symptoms that she came in we couldn't find any of them anymore and but she was and she was functioning so so you can get you can remove symptoms we also have to look at function as well mm -hmm. and one and just to, just to not take too much time on this but one of the, the key areas of functioning as i said very early on in, in in my talk was was how that person relates to other people and unfortunately, when people have, have mental issues, they often have trouble relating. They kind of withdraw. They might retreat and begin to withdraw from their social life. And they might stop talking to their friends. They might even stop talking to their family. And so one key area of looking for at whether symptoms getting better is they start to come out again. They, they come out of that shell. They start to function socially much, much better again. So that's that's kind of a, a guide of what we're looking for: target symptoms, and how that affects functioning of the person. Well, that's nice. So I, uh, that's a, a big terminology, or we have to focus on when developing automated systems. Uh, so it's like target symptoms and its assessment. So that is a very good form of data because AI is all about data. So this uh, target symptoms is a really a good um, uh, set of data to be focused on. So I thank you for giving me that uh, sort of hint and yeah, it is really useful. So yeah, we have Ashley who says like, that speaks to me, Anisha City. I was always the same way with reading. It is a journey to a new world. Yes, absolutely, Ashley, you're right. It's a journey to the new world. And we have Carla again. Hello, Anisha and Ashok. Yeah, big hi. Yes. So let's uh, we'll go to the next section, which is about instigate. So after some outcomes, uh, we get some uh, initiation again uh, to go back to the ideation process. So everyone gets some sort of instigation, like it can be positive, it can be negative, it can be constructive feedback, it can be destructive feedback, it can be success, it can be failures. But some sort of instigation makes us to go back to the ideation stage, uh, refine the process, and um, we again come up with different outcomes and uh, fine tuning. Uh, so what sort of instigation uh, uh, inspires you or keeps you moving uh, to go back to the ideation stage and then move on? What makes you uh, moving? Uh, what sort of instigation makes you moving, Ashok? Yeah, tell us about that. Well, um, 
So I'm half Indian, and mm. and and part of my name actually means teacher. Mm. And and as as you, I'm sure you know. And so I thought, uh, and, and I started this about about um, 15 years ago. Mm. I thought, you know, I need to get my ideas about what I'm doing, this ocean that I'm beginning to float in. I need to get them out there. So I really started to feel a strong calling to want to share share my ideas and share my thoughts by teaching and teaching by writing some books and also teaching by getting out on uh, at conferences and sharing my ideas with my colleagues and also sharing their ideas and finding out where their ideas and, and my ideas, we could coincide and collaborate. And I find that once you, once you have a piece of information, um, it's not yours. You have to share it. And this is one of the basic ideas of humanity. Can you imagine if the guy or woman who invented the wheel kept it to themselves? And then one, one, one time, like t thousands of years later, someone says, oh, my gosh, look at this. This would have changed everything. So mm -hmm. an, an invention is, a, is such an incredible part of, of the human experience. But we have to share it. And I'm not suggesting that I'm inventing things. What I'm suggesting I'm doing is, is that my ideas are, 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 are derivatives of a lot of information that we already had. So, so I didn't invent empathy. There's no way I did. You know, I, I, I know that this is a concept. I'm trying to refine it and define it according to my ideals, but I'm also trying to teach it. And I think if I, if I get on that, that process of, you know, it's one thing to learn something. There's another thing to be able to teach it to others. That really, really refines the quality of the source. And if you're the source, you have to be very, very sure that the information you're providing holds up under fire. And so if I'm speaking at a conference and someone puts up questions and, and I don't know the answer, I personally thank that person because that, that instigates me to, to set up a whole new area of research that I hadn't even thought about. So I've got, a, this is great, I've got a whole new area that I can do some research. I always get that person's email, even if I'm in a different country and say, I can't wait to email you back what I'm going to be finding about this and hopefully we'll keep a little relationship going because that's what it's all about. It's about sharing information with each other and that's how we grow. I mean, your generation, you've only ever known the internet and computers and it makes it so much easier to share information when you can get on the computer and look up something and look up a, a scholarly article or just even look at a blog that some people have written about about any minutiae that you're interested in. And the fact that we can share more effectively is causing us to have a hyperbolic increase in the way information is being gathered in, in society now. And this is such an exciting thing for doctors because now instead of having to carry around 50 pounds of books, and we have a much bigger library at our fingertips all the time. That's so exciting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it maps to my belief also. My perception is when knowledge is shared, actually our knowledge is enhanced. We, we don't have reduction in our knowledge. When we share our knowledge, our knowledge is enhanced. The way we share, it brings us the clarity in ourselves also. So I believe that whenever we have some piece of information, we have to share it, as you said. Sharing is a key uh, and core of everyone. It has to be a core of everyone. Then it makes um, to bring so many dimensions, so many perceptions to analyze. And uh, when we have questions, as you said, uh, it brings us uh, more uh, dimension to explore. Rather than like, oh my God, I didn't know what was that uh, answer for that question and getting frightened and uh, and that was the best way to handle like let me explore and get back to you yes that and i love that part so sharing is a key part and you mapped it very beautifully and i know that your name has a teacher attached to that and that's why it's like you teach uh through your books and i'm, I'm eagerly um uh, waiting for the book journeys i wanted to read your books about uh, the cake and then the about CAK and one more is about the deep uh, nerves right I was right with the names so those uh, books I just want to explore it because uh, they give a lot of uh, idea about um, 
uh, the uh, burnout one one book is about the burnout the other one is about the relationship uh, how it's like a guide uh, to go through so i would just want to explore those books so even i suggest everyone watching to explore those two books so we have carla here to uh, tell like great point ashok information is meant to be shared knowledge is meant to be known exactly totally agree carla mm. exactly yes so yeah so it was uh, a well packed uh, information i really loved the way you give uh, you gave for each section it was to the point answers very clear very um distinct and unique uh so let me summarize quickly what you said about the ideation and invest in incorporate and we have integrate and instigate so in ideation you clear i want to highlight a core point like making the context into the story so that was a core point uh, which i wanted to make uh, highlighting in the ideation process and about um Uh, the invest and uh, incorporate you set up various avenues and about the uh, books and the diversity which you had through music and then you had uh, you set up the lifelong learning process which is really important and then we had the integrate where you said make it into practice make it into use and the um, mapping with that swimming uh, example was really amazing so that uh, that is really important whatever we learn we have to make it into use make it into practice or oh, when we make it into practice we learn through that and it takes a long time but it's all right but we learn it we learn it completely so uh, the approach of empathy which you bring in and the mapping of the thoughts and the feelings uh that is really amazing and the final one uh, and about the target symptoms which i asked about the assessment process that was really a great piece of information to build ai systems and finally we have the instigate where you talked about sharing that is really important for every one of us to share what we have uh we ha- we should have the abundance mind uh, in my uh, previous episode um, miri was telling like everyone should have that abundance mind to share uh, so that is really important we have to share information so yeah so it was a well packed and uh, to the point i really loved all these sections and the breakdowns which you gave it was really surprising how you bought that uh, mapping very beautifully i loved it so Thank we you. have one yeah we have finally uh, a tenth set of questions uh, which is asked to every guest and uh, this will be like a group discussion later on with all the guests uh, with their answers because uh, each guest gives different perception different answers and all these questions are gathered from my family members so because they are accessible to me uh, so and they don't know about ai so i thought i want to gather questions from the people who don't know about ai so let me start shall i start with the first question please sir yes so what aspect of human intelligence fascinates you i'm mostly interested in emotional intelligence Mm-hmm. and i think that uh you know i i'm smart enough to get through my degrees but i'm not smart enough to fully understand empathy and how human beings run by empathy and how they run by their emotions and how we learn to have control contain and share and interact with ourselves emotionally with other people to me has fascinated more than anything else and i'm particularly interested in personality and personality is is the conglomeration of all of our thoughts and feelings and preferences that we have as a person in connection with other people who also have all their thoughts and feelings and preferences and that's why when we're looking to 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 share our lives with people and have developed friendships and romances and and significant partnerships with people it's always a little easier when you have something in common with that person someone has similar preferences not all the same ones because there has to be complementarity. If you have all the same ones then you're 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 fighting for the same uh, the remote control all the time. But I think this is very fascinating that that, that how people are how their emotions and how they interact with each other causes us to be able to live together socially uh, as as individuals, families, communities, cities and towns and ultimately the human race. Well, wow. 
I liked it. So which part of human intelligence uh, should be incorporated or should not be incorporated into the AI systems? Wow, so I would put I, I, there's there's about eight different types of uh, intelligence. So I would put the, all of them in there. This, mm. the, if we, if we can get a computer mm. to feel, mm. um, I think that would be a, 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 an amazing miracle, where a computer is not just is not just telling it what it thinks, mm. it's telling us what it what it feels. So far, com- computers are mostly memories. They're mm. able to store tons of information. And then, and then work by association. That's how the brain works when we learn things by association. And our, my computer does the same thing. If I'm typing a word, it'll say, it'll guess what I'm going to be doing next because it's, yes. it's got that associative memory. But wouldn't it be interesting if it could also add a feeling? So I think that's, I'm so excited to see that coming up over the next, hopefully the next 10 years. Yeah, baby. We have something called sensory feedbacks and biofeedbacks, but not completely. It's not complete intelligence, right. something like that. Yes. Uh, so if you have a chance to choose an AI robot model in your life as part of like assistance, or, uh, what part of your life you want that robot in your life, the AI robot? Um, oh, my gosh, driving. <laughs> If I if I had a car that could drive me around, so I don't have to worry about traffic and all that kind of stuff, so I can sit in the back and read a book or or make my comments on LinkedIn posts to Anisha, I think that would be <laughs> that would be pretty incredible. I think I think we're going to see that actually. We're going to see drones and 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 various uh, robots start taking over our highways and and our airplanes. It's already happening in airplanes, right? Most mm-hmm. most of the flights are done on autopilot. So mm-hmm. I think we need to see that. I love to drive. I'm, I, I've been driving since I was a kid and I, I enjoy driving a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think I think um, I think that's going to be something that's going to be relatively easy to implement over the next while. And I think we'll see that. Wow. That's amazing. So interesting answer. So will AI replace humans? And will it lead to unemployment or new new employments? So will AI replace the humans and will it lead to uh, unemployment or will it lead to new employments in the uh, world? Well, I think, I think AI will not replace, um, it will rep- replace certain kinds of jobs mm. in the sense that when I was a child, um, you know, human beings had to, um, human beings had to man- manage things. In fact, when I went to India for the first time in 1983, mm. um, a, soft drink, a soft drink dispenser was three people mm. instead of a machine. And so machines, machines will do what we, what we can't do. And, and they'll also do what we don't want to do, mm. certain things that are difficult for us to do. The way we manufacture cars is lots of machinery. However, mm. We will, we will always need human beings to be human beings because human beings have to have each other to survive. Yes. Our survival is based on our connections with each other. And we have that from birth, it's called bonding. Mm-hmm. And a child needs to be held and, and raised and loved. Can a computer do that? Um, it can do some of it. Mm-hmm. You know, all my kids were, were working on computers from the age of about three or four on. And so that's why they're also computer savvy, but they also had us around as, as humans to provide that human contact. So I don't think humans are going to get run out of a job because I think the human, the human touch, the human essence is, is going to be very hard to eradicate. Yes, you covered the greatest myth. Like I see uh, people telling like AI will replace humans. We have to fear AI. It's not like that. They won't replace humans. They aid uh, humans. They assist humans. AI system just assist humans, and they don't replace humans. It is not possible like that. So, Anisha, 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 if we didn't have a computer, I never would have met you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's assisting us to have a connection. We yes. never would have. This show is only possible because of our computers. Yes. So it's helping us to connect to people. Mm-hmm. So that's that's proof right there. Yes. Correct. So uh, is it good or mandatory for business uh, to have AI systems uh, uh, to incorporate in their business? Uh, is it mandatory uh, because we move on to the automated, automation world? So is uh, business uh, field should have AI systems in it? Well, businesses uh, are absolutely going to have AI systems. I think there's so many things like accounting. 
that uh, in, imagine having to count money uh, with your with your fingers and your tongue, uh, thousands and thousands of, uh, of of rupees, for example. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, I, I think we have we're going to see uh, a lot of things that that are tedious for humans to do, and also humans, uh, God love them, but humans are not particularly accurate. We're mm-hmm. we're quite inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 c- computers don't know about <laughs> inaccuracy. They they, they don't mm-hmm. know how to be inaccurate unless they've been programmed incorrectly. Yes. So the beauty of the, the, the beauty of a business so who wants to have accounting and, and to know inventory and if they have things in stock, uh, for example, or back order, you know, is it we have to have uh, the advantages that we have but that 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 AI is going to give us to make those those aspects much more efficient going forward and that 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 decreases tension and stress between people if someone just has to go to the back and say i can't find it but the computer says well actually it is there you know in fact it's in right aisle three uh row four kind of thing that way that can solve human human issues and make things less stressful for people that's an excellent example like what you said about accounting um that was an apt example you're very technically sound and you made that example very clear about the accuracy which you got in uh, the evaluation metrics so it was excellent point to cover so we have Carla here who, uh, she tell, uh, she tells like human will always be responsible for human affection absolutely all right mm, yeah. perfect so can ai be our friend or can ai be our enemy Well, I actually, I actually have a friend who's come up with a an AI product called Talk to Alex. Her name is Eva Anchak, and she works here in Mississauga, and we, we collaborate quite a bit. She's a psychologist, a, an educational psychologist. She's come up with an app for children who are socially anxious, and and it's it's being instituted in schools, and so it's a very useful uh, um, artificial intelligence device that is providing a mental health uh, wellness to children. Um, now, could it turn into a menacing thing that will be frightening children? Could it take over their minds? Um, no more than an iPad, you know, is 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 probably bad for a kid if that's the only social outlet a child has. Mm-hmm. Kids still need to play with each other, and they still need to interact with each other. And if they're playing on the iPads for for a while, that's fine too. But they also have to they have to play uh, play with each other. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it, it you know. It's a, it's the same thing as anything. I, I think computers can be used and, and, and AI can be used for, for menacing needs if necessary, mm-hmm. if people intend that. And it's the same thing as, as, as a car. You know, cars are very convenient, but, but when people have a crash in a car and somebody gets hurt, suddenly mm-hmm. it's a menace. Well, it's a thing that's run by people. So I think we have to respect the, the idea that, that a tool is a tool is a tool. Mm-hmm. And an AI is a tool. It doesn't replace us. And we use tools all the time. That's what makes human beings human beings. We make tools. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that distinguishes, I mean, many other animals do make tools as well, but uh, we're particularly creative and inventive being human beings. And I think AI is just simply an extension of the tool of our mind. Yes. So uh, I like the point which you highlighted about the intent of developing the system. So, uh, like, if we have good intent, um, making it a service, like you said about uh, uh, the friend of yours who is developing the AI systems uh, for the sake of children, and that is really a useful and needful uh, thing. But if our intent is some some sort of destructiveness or um, brings uh, privacy intrusion uh, or uh, security problems uh, to people, in that case. Um, AI system will turn to be an enemy because our intention of developing the system should be uh, very purposeful and very constructive so that uh, it channelizes in the right way. So do you think AI can bring equity and usability and feasibility without any economic status? So it's it's like uh, whether everybody can use it uh, without any economic uh, problems. Uh, like without any economic status problems, like anybody can use it. Do you think like AI? Well, I think I think I think that's an interesting question. You know, I, I live in Canada, and 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 data is extremely expensive here. Mm-hmm. And when I travel to other countries, uh, even India, data is not expensive. You can you can buy a lot of data. So I think I think the socioeconomic disadvantages um, mm-hmm. can actually can actually be be um, um, minimized. 
by having free, uh, uh, freer access. I don't mean free in the sense if you don't have to pay for it, but freer access. Mm. And I think, especially for women, you know, uh, I, th I think the fact that, that, that women can, can talk to each other, not be socially isolated or alienated, mm. especially in developing countries where they may not have the same rights as that we have in, in North America, it can be a profoundly important way for them to, to experience more independence uh, and, and, and strength and courage to, to learn and to reach out and connect with each other. So I think uh, I've, I've definitely seen that in my travels that uh, people may be living in, 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 in quite uh, difficult means, but they have an iPhone or a cell phone and mm -hmm. they, can, they can connect with each other. And I think that's power. I think that's that. And, and I, I think that if that becomes available uh, across the board for people, just like you and I are talking, that it will be able to make connections that are more beneficial as well. Yes, that's excellent. The way you told about making it accessible. I find uh, uh, medical data sets are not publicly available for future research. Uh, it, it was really difficult. Uh, but um, nowadays, uh, certain people who collect data, they make it publicly available for researchers to explore in that field. Right. So that part was right. Uh, so do you think AI is essential or necessary in this today's world? Uh, well, it, it, human beings were put on the planet uh, about 300,000 years ago mm. and we developed speech about 50,000 years ago so for for 250,000 years we were just grunting and, and making gestures at each other so we invented speech think about this we invented speech so that we could better communicate with each other speech uh, was uh, was an invention to help mm. us to relate to each other even better and then we invented books by having printing presses, so that we can we can we can transport the mind of someone to each other in a form of something written on paper that could be a permanent trace of that person's mind, and then we invented computers and the internet, so mm -hmm. we can even better continue this action of speech and the transfer of information, and because we live in such a large world now with so many people in the expanded population, mm -hmm. um, not only is it essential, it it is going to be the way of the future. We're, we're, we're going to need this. And look what happens when the internet is down for a few hours. You know, the mm -hmm. world stops. Yes. Uh, you know, what would have happened if the internet went down on us tonight? We wouldn't be able to have this wonderful conversation. So I, I, I think it makes our lives a, a lot easier if yes. I can figure out, you know, what's going on on the other side of the world. Even just looking at the weather, you know, I can look mm -hmm. at, I don't have to wait for it to come on the news anymore. I can, I can get instant information that way. So the speed of the speed of the transfer of information, I think is a massive advantage for, for, for human development and, and inventiveness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Perfect answer. So uh, like for an AI system, uh, what sort of user friendly feature would you like to have? So what sort of user-friendly feature would you like to have for an AI system? Well, uh, you probably don't know Star Trek, which is a, a television series that I grew up watching. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they had tons of computers in this. It was, came out in the 60s and, and was very popular. And now they have many, many uh, incarnations of the same idea. But it was, it was a very future-looking um, future uh, TV show because there were computers everywhere. And they had something on, on their shirt, they could tap it and they could speak to people on the ship who were, who were mm -hmm. floating around uh, the planet. We sort of have that now, right? Um, mm -hmm. We have the capacity to have very small handheld devices and we can talk to people who are thousands of miles away. So I think, I think that, that, that the power of that technology is transformative. I think it, it, it allows us to um, to grow as a, uh, as, as a species, but it also allows us to connect to each other more effectively. Yes. So the final question. So do you think the evolution factor of human intelligence stops or ceases after the incorporation of AI systems? No, no, no. I, I think uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to recreate a human brain mm. uh, with computer technology. The human brain is limited because we can only we can only learn so fast, and we have trouble with recall, and it's imperfect because it's it, it, it's affected by subjective experience. Mm -hmm. um, a computer only knows how to be objective. Yes, it, it can't necessarily interpret, and until we somehow we can put that 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 capacity into computers, and then then computers are going to be more like humans. Wouldn't it be funny if two PCs had a fight with each other? 
<laughs> around what color they want to be. I want to be red and I want to be gray. Um, but I think I think what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to reapproximate our mind, uh, but in a way that it doesn't deteriorate. And I think that's going to be huge advantage for future generations in the same way that a book was a huge advantage for us. Mm. We could we could we could read something that someone had written who had passed away years ago, or a painting. We can go to a museum and look at something that Van Gogh painted years ago, mm. um, and, and you know cave art started before language, and so to be able to pictorially represent. So computers are screens and words put together. So 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 the idea of it being. Um, um, stupefying to us, I think, is, is is not the right way. It's the way we use it. Mm. And for people who want to expand their mind, I mean, I know for me, for example, you know, I'm looking at information f throughout the day and learning constantly on my computer. Mm. And I find I find that after uh, after uh, the computer age came out, um, I don't. I'm not saying I'm smarter, but I feel that I have access to way more information that enriches me as a person. Mm. And to Excellent. me, that's a tremendous advantage. Excellent. So, yeah, that was a perfect answer. So, yes. So, we have completed the question session. Yeah, we have, and we have completed our, our all sections. So, so I would uh, make a gratitude note to you. It was a really a great session. It was really a soothing session for me. Uh, you had a clear and crystal points in all the sections. And in the questions where you mapped it very um, beautifully with the examples, real-time examples, so that everybody can relate to it. It's always like if you simplify the terms, people understand it beautifully. Rather than complicating with the terminologies and bringing a difficulty at the starting of the uh, journey. So the way you simplified uh, with the real-time examples was really good. So. I love when uh, learning becomes a simplification. When we learn something, we teach it in a simplified way. If we understand it completely, we can teach it in a simplified way. So that uh, simplification is possible only through your learning, which you have acquired uh, all these years. So the complicated learning process made you to simplify the terms and bring it beautifully to everybody. So yeah, I just love this session. As I said, it made me a, a, a feel like it brought me um, soothing vibes to me. So yeah, so positive and soothing vibes. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Shok, for joining me today and uh, for making this service-oriented uh, program uh, because this is for everybody, for every people who wanted to develop AI systems. I wanted to make knowledge accessible as well as uh, for anybody out there in India, especially or in developing countries where they get obsessed to one career. But we have so much careers to explore and you have bought uh, the ideas of the mind and various areas to explore also. And even you incorporate about music so the people can explore those fields too. So that was really amazing. And thank you so much. You never hesitated uh, to join any sessions. You were so cool, so comfortable for me uh, to <laughs> share information, to have it in the drafting session as well as in the episode. So thank you so much uh, for joining. I really had a great, great session. So would you like to add on, end a note, ending note? Yeah, I'd like to say something, Anisha. I, I, we, we had a drafting session last night, and you did yeah. a, an incredibly wonderful job of putting me at ease with, with, with how you and I would conduct ourselves today. And I knew that when I saw you today, and we had a little chat before we did our session, that it would be smooth because we've developed an instant sense of trust of each other. Yes. And that's, that's a wonderful empathic thing to do. So we're actually em empathizing with each other while we're talking. Mm -hmm. And my job, my job is to simplify. Yes. If someone comes to me with a problem or someone comes to me with a question and I can simplify it, it mm. becomes soothing. Yes. And to be, able to, to be able to put the human experience in a soothing way can make all of us realize that, that learning things and sharing things can not only make us feel feel smarter, it can soothe us. It can make us feel, feel calmer. And a yes. calm mind is a learning mind. Mm, and, and you did such a wonderful job of conducting today's session. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Thanks so much, Ashok. So we have Lisa here who said like superb listening to you and great perspective. And we have Carla telling thank you for a great session. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for the LinkedIn family here uh, who really supports, who shower their kindness in abundance for me. Uh, so thanks uh, everybody for joining Ashley, Carla and Lisa. So thank you so much. And yeah, so yes, Ashok, we'll end up the session. Thank you so much again. Yes, yeah. Yes. Okay then, bye Ashok, yeah. Thank you.